0: Good morning, church. Um, My name is Lucrece. I'll be reading the word today. Please stand for the reading of the word. I'll be reading out of Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is life and its spirit. Father, I'm asking today that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we would know you as Pastor Raphael preaches today, God. Father, reveal the beauty of your son as we hear the word today. Open our hearts to hear you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Yeah, you can give it up for Lacris. That's awesome. Praise God. Thank you so much, you know. I was I was telling her we have a meeting before first service and it's pretty early and she showed up and I was like, man, with all them kids. So thank Tyler, too, for taking care of the babies this morning. He doesn't do that regularly on a Sunday. <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe he does. I don't know. All right. How you guys doing? Good news. Good. Well, I'm Raphael and I'm one of the pastors here for those of you that we may not know each other. So. I trust that you had a great time, a great Christmas season and New Year's. And so I'm glad we're glad to be back after we took some some time off. But some amazing ministry has happened around here. Uh, Brother Terry Brown preached uh, an amazing message on a prodigal son two weeks ago. And then Nicholas touched on money the last day of the year, last Sunday of the year. But he was talking about God's economy you know, and the kingdom of God. And so today we're going to continue in that vein in the book of Luke. And so if you guys have uh, lunch plans, please make sure that you change them to dinner plans because I'm, ch- I'm preaching on the entire chapter, okay? I'm not joking. Chapter 17, the entire chapter we're touching on today. And I hear that you guys did not... Did you guys not get a message last week or something? That's right. Praise God. <laughs> I tell you what, you need to watch it online. It was an amazing message and, uh, and I got a chance to to see it, to watch it. But I appreciate our team. You know, they're ready to go where God leads. And I think we need to live that out. You know, not only here on a Sunday morning, but in our lives. So today you get an extra long message. Just kidding. It is chapter 17. But we will touch on, on some things before and after what LaCris just shared. And then oh, the, the main idea, the main focus will be based on what, what she shared out of Luke um 17 11 through 19 so so you know the the chapter begins by by jesus talking to his disciples and nicholas said last week something that i thought it was was very profound simple but yet profound he says you know jesus did not come to the earth to give us good advice he came to bring us good news so what jesus begins talking to his disciples about in chapter 17 is not good advice it is good news and the first thing he says is guys um You will always have temptation. Like, wow, Jesus, that's very encouraging. But he's bringing that up because if you guys remember back in the Lord's Prayer, when when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, there was a portion of the prayer that says, lead us not into temptation. You guys remember that? But deliver us from the evil one. So now, lead us not into temptation. It's like, okay, God, help us not to fall prey to temptation. Because temptation is not a problem. The problem is falling into it. But now Jesus brings this other side of things saying, But woe to those that cause the temptation. And so this is something new for them to hear and to understand. And then right after that, Jesus jumps from there to then say, you know, if 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 someone, if a believer sins, then you need to rebuke them. And that's more like my, my stuff. We're like, yes. Yeah, somebody does wrong. Let's rebuke them. But then he turns that around and says, But if he comes to you and he repents, then you need to forgive him. And that's a little bit more difficult, isn't it? And Jesus says, Not only forgive him, but even if he wrongs you seven times the same day and comes back every time, and if there's repentance, then you must forgive. And that is mind-blowing because, wait a minute, Jesus, um, seven times? I mean, like, once, maybe, but seven times in one day? How do I know they're being honest? H- how do I know that they mean it? It's not your job and my job to know somebody means it. Because I guarantee that Jesus does not keep count on how many times you and I mess up. And how many times a day we come to him and say, Lord, forgive us. That is the kingdom. That is the kingdom. But Jesus, I'm, I'm part of a kingdom that says... Uh, that it's more like, um, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. Yeah, right? You guys are also part of that kingdom. Yep. But that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God extends forgiveness. And then... Something happens. Nicholas said last week, he... he um, made a claim that i found somewhat disturbing about jesus having add you guys don't know because you didn't watch the message but he mentioned how jesus seemed to be jumping from one thing to the next and he didn't say that he had add but it just we perceive it that way and then the disciples do something very very interesting in chapter 17 here and they kind of do the same so jesus talking to them about temptation And he jumps to talk to them about forgiveness and he's giving them these good news, these things that they need to do to bring the kingdom. And then they ask him, uh, Lord, can you show us how to increase our faith? Guys, are you guys even in the same room? Like he's not talking about faith. What are you guys doing? Are you guys listening? Well, actually, they are. Because in chapter 16, if you guys remember, you guys won't because you not, did not hear the message. But Nicholas talked about a very specific point in the story where Jesus says he was faithful and the little things will be faithful with much things, with bigger things. And so it's that faithfulness point because the word faith here teaches to increase our faith. He's not talking about belief. The word is the word in Greek is pistis, which means faithfulness, allegiance to. So they're asking, they're actually asking Jesus to help them be faithful. And they're remembering everything that he's mentioning. And plus, you know, to forgive sometimes that somebody that has sinned against you seven times a day, you need to be faithful. You know, so they're asking him to show them, to teach them how to increase their faithfulness. So then um, right after that, Jesus goes to explain how this faithfulness happened, how you can increase your faithfulness. In verse six, then he says, well, if you have faith as as little as a mustard seed, then you could tell this mulberry tree to be planted in the sea and it will obey you. Yeah, that makes no sense. I, I don't know how I can actually increase My faith by doing that. So Jesus perceiving that they don't understand what he's saying that he tells them this story to further confuse them. And he says, hey, if there is beginning of verse seven, when when there's a servant and he's out in the field and he's taking care of the sheep and and doing everything that needs to be done, plowing and everything. And he comes home. um, Does the master say, go sit down and eat? No, he says, make something for me to eat and then you eat right And does the master say, you know, thank you. Does he thank the servant for what he has done? No, of course not. And he says in verse 10, in the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. When I read the explanation of Jesus or how Jesus is telling them to grow in their faith, in their faithfulness, in their allegiance, the first thing that came to mind is the story of the, Roman centurion back in Matthew chapter eight or Luke chapter seven, when Jesus encountered this man, and this was a man that understood authority. This is a man that says, Hey, I'm a man under authority. And when I say something, they do it. And you are a man with authority. So Jesus, you don't even have to come. Just say the words of my servant will be healed. see, what I've discovered as I'm reading this text is that obedience begets obedience. What do I mean? I mean that as we obey the one that has all authority, then we receive the authority to be obeyed. I'm going to say that again. As we obey the one that has all authority, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, as we obey Him, we receive then the blessing of the opportunity the authority to be obeyed so now we jump from this portion into what lacreese just read In verse 11 and jesus is, is making his journey to jerusalem he's he's traveling and he's in the in the border between galilee and samaria so as he's traveling then this this 10 men this 10 leper that they're outcast from society and they call out to jesus master Have mercy on us. It is incredible what happens right after that. Verse 14, Jesus says, Jesus, he looked at them. He said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, can you say as they went? They were cleansed of their leprosy. As they went. This is this is different than. The story that we read, read in Luke chapter 5. If you guys remember in Luke chapter chapter 5, there was a leopard. And we talked a lot more in detail about what leprosy meant in that, in that community. You were ostracized. You were removed from the community and all the stuff that you have to go through. And when you were healed, if you were healed ever in life, you would show yourself to the priest. Right? And we talked about that. But you have to be cleansed to show yourself to the priest. And this leper in, in Luke chapter 5, he called out to Jesus in the same way. But he said, if you are willing, you can heal me. And Jesus looked at him and said, I am willing. Be healed. In this encounter with these 10 lepers, there was healing to it that occurred. But Jesus did not once say, be healed. He looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priest. Well, that's a problem. Because for me to show myself to the priest, I have to be healed. And I'm still not healed. It was as they went. It was faith in action. It was them moving in the direction that the master, because that's who they called, they called them master. The master said they did and they were healed. But I wonder this. I wonder if this group of men heard about the story of the, of the leper in, in Luke chapter five. I wonder if they heard that there was this one man that cried out to Jesus and then Jesus healed him. I wonder if they heard that Jesus says, I am willing be healed. Because if I was one of these ten and I heard that story, I'd be like, wait a minute, Jesus, something is missing here. Uh, you have not said that I am healed. So I'm going to wait until you say that I am healed. Right? It's just logical, right? I wonder how many of us miss what God is wanting to do in our lives because He's not doing it the way that we think He ought to do it. I wonder how many of us just just stay one step short of the miracle because He did it this way before, so now I expect Him to do it the same way. And my God is bigger than that. Your God is bigger than that. He could do it however He chooses. So if he says, go, then you go, even though it has not manifested in your mortal body yet. Very important. They received their miracle as they went. They received their miracle as they obeyed. Something amazing happens in in the next few verses, and I'm going to read those real quick. Verse 15 says one of them. Can you say one of them? Very important. When he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell on to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus said, did not heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give God glory except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, your faith Has healed you. As soon as I read this. The first time we were reading this chapter. As we discussed it in our preaching team meeting. uh, When I read this portion of scripture. I I heard the spirit loud and clear. Saying Raphael. Be the one. And that's the title of this message. Be the one. See you have to be the one that comes back. You have to be one of the ten. But you have to be the one that comes back. The one that comes back to give God glory. The one that comes back and falls at the master's feet to worship him. You have to be the one that goes against the grain. That goes against what the rest, what the majority is doing. So church, be the one. Be the one. You know, it's interesting that Jesus, Luke pointed it out. He said this man was a Samaritan. And then Jesus points it out as well as a Samaritan one that was not supposed to be receiving the blessing one who was looked upon as less than and one that was was the recipient of racism but he's the one that chose to give God glory Jesus asked this question which is interesting Jesus says where are the other nine where are the other nine? I don't think Jesus um, was concerned about the whereabouts. I don't think Jesus is saying, "Well, what are they doing? Like, where are they? I want to know where they're at. Now, see, there is something else here underlining this question. Do you guys remember the first person in the book, in the Bible that God asked? Where are you? Who? Adam. Adam, where are you? See, there is a bad predicament to be in. If God has to ask where you're at, we got a problem. So as I was reading this, I really says the Spirit saying, Raphael, you don't want me asking you where you're at. He's saying, where are the other nine? You know what the big thing a play is here? It's not the miracle. It's not the miracle of the cleansing of the ten lepers. The big thing at play is who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? Because the one that came back, Jesus Himself said, Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? It is about who gets the glory. See, your response to what God does in your life determines your level of glory. Your response to what God does in your life. Depends, God's response to you, and we think it's it's not that way. We think, oh, you know, um, God is just going to respond to me. You know, there's something that happens, man, when you are really going after God, because I've been there before. When you're one of the ten and you have leprosy and you're calling out to God and God answer me and God intervene and God show yourself. And then God shows up, right? And then what do we do? My experience has been, I go in my merry way, God answer. But, but what's my response at that point? There is a, an expectation for us to respond to what God does in our lives. See, the, there's two words that were used here in this passage, the word healed. One is found in verse 15, the other one in verse 19. The first one says, One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God. The word healed here is ayamoi. Actually, ayaomai. Oh so, ayaomai oh in Greek is the word healed, is the word cure to cause someone to achieve health after having been sick. That's what it means. And guess what? Most often it's translated translated as healed. Very simple. The second word is a lot more interesting and one that we may be more familiar with. In verse 19, Jesus said to the men, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Wait a minute. I thought that they were healed on their way to show themselves to the priest. Right? Isn't that what it says? But then Jesus saying your faith has healed you. The word here is the word sozo in Greek. Which is not physical healing. The word sozo means delivered, saved, kept from. What Jesus is saying guess what? The other nine they received their physical healing, but my man you have been delivered. You are saved. All ten were healed. Only one received sozo. Your response to what God does in your life determines God's response to you. See, this one leopard, the Samaritan man responded to God in a way that none of the other nine did. And God responded to him in a way that he did not respond to the other nine. He put himself in the position. We were talking during worship about the veil being torn. And about entering in. And that song that had me messed up since this morning. That we were singing. Fresh outpouring. God is saying some of you need to really. Experience. An encounter with the person of Holy Spirit. Read the book of Acts in the month of January. Read it. See what happened. See what happened when the fresh out point happened on normal men and women that were in the right place. That were in a place to seek God, to respond to what God was doing and see what he did. They were normal. But they became abnormal. They became men and women with power and authority. So. Something else happens here. In the text after Jesus encounters these 10 lepers, the Pharisees show up, love them guys, sick and tired of talking about them, but they have this question for Jesus. And they say, when is the kingdom going to come? (laughs) Isn't this the question that has been asked for centuries or a variation of that, right? Like, when is God going to come? When is Jesus coming? When is God going? When is this and when is that? When is the kingdom going to come? I love Jesus' response to them in verse 20 and 21. So Jesus responds and says, The kingdom of God can be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or, the, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. For the kingdom of God is already among you. See, if you're asking the question, where is the kingdom of God? You have already missed it. As the Pharisees did, because this phrase right here, the kingdom of God is already among you can be translated in two different ways. The kingdom of God is already at your grasp or at your fingertips or the kingdom of God is in you. Very, very important. And we're going to talk about that in a moment, the importance of that phrase of the kingdom of God being among you. But Jesus, after addressing the Pharisees in that way, then he moves on. And he says to, to, the, to the disciples, he starts talking about the coming of the Son of Man. So again, he's talking about something completely different. And he says that the Son of Man must first suffer. Because before before all of this is revealed, the Son of Man must first suffer in this generation, which that happened. And then they said that the coming of the son of man is going to be like the days of Noah. People were just getting married and and having fun and drinking and dancing until Noah went in the ark. Or or the coming of the son of man is going to be like the days of Lot. That everyone was doing whatever they pleased as it was right in their own eyes until Lot left Sodom. He is letting them know. Guys, this day is going to be just like any other day. He says in verse 30, Jesus says, yes, it will be business as usual, right up to the day when the son of man is revealed. Business as usual, church. We can't be business as usual. We can't afford to be business as usual. What does it matter when, when, when the son of man is coming? What matters is that you're not doing conducting kingdom as, uh, business as usual. That's what matters. Because it will be business as, as usual until the son of man is revealed. See, Jesus, with this imagery, he called himself the son of man. So what does this even mean? Let's read Daniel chapter seven, verse 13 and 14. Then it was saying, as my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one or ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor and sovereignty, sovereignty over all the nations, say all the nations. Of the world so that people of every race and nation and language will obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. That is King Jesus. He is the son of man. And this depicts the imagery of him coming back to claim his authority. And this coming is when then sin is going to be dealt with. So this coming of the son of man in us believers, those that are in the kingdom, produces hope. Produces security, safety. But if you are outside of the kingdom, it is judgment. It is judgment. So what does this mean to us right here, right now? It means what we just talked about. The meaning when Jesus said the kingdom of God is among you. Because see, either the kingdom is right at your fingertips, it's really close, is at your grasp, or the kingdom is in you. And for most of you, I venture to say that the kingdom is in you. Nicholas says something during third service as I watched the video and he says that we tend to think that the kingdom of God, we think to, we tend to think of it as this abstract concept. It's like so difficult to understand and it's abstract, right? You guys seen an abstract painting, right? It's like somebody just throws a whole bunch of stuff and I don't even know why it sells for that much money. And and somebody sees, ooh, I see a horse. No, I see a peacock. No, I see a bridge. Like what in the world? And sometimes that's what we think about the kingdom of God. And Nicholas was saying, now he says, listen, we just celebrated Christmas, which is God taking a form of a man, giving his life for us and demonstrating the kingdom that we may just be the kingdom. He says, there's a tangible way that the kingdom of God has come. And it is the church. The church. I love that. Because the church is not a building. The church is you and I. And if we have the kingdom in us, as Jesus is saying here, the kingdom of God in us, then we're kingdom bringers. And then that's what we must do. Please stand as we begin to close. See, there were ten lepers. And nine of them were okay. with just receiving their their miracle and running. They were completely fine with just receiving what they needed and moving on. But they did not receive the fullness of what the kingdom had for them. See, there's a point when you need to make the decision to respond to what God is doing. And when you make that decision, then you may perhaps enter into the fullness of the kingdom of God in your life. Not just what he has in his hand. But it's that proximity. He getting the glory. And you being transformed from the inside out. Because there is a purpose for this outpouring the purpose for this outpouring is for, not for me just to cry and be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues and prophesy. It is to be kingdom bringers. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to close just by allowing you an opportunity to come to this altar. And number one, saying, God, help me be the one. Help me be the one that goes against the grain that turns back towards you and worships you. See, because the kingdom of God may seem very huge and complex, and it is, but it begins by being the one. It begins with every single one of us making that decision. So, as I pray, or after I pray, you could come in here and spend some time with the Lord to focus on that. Because that means that the kingdom is in you. But if the kingdom is at your fingertips and you feel like you're outside of the kingdom, I want to make sure that you enter into the kingdom and that the kingdom enters into you this morning. First of all, it says, Is there anyone in here right now that you say, I'm kind of like the Pharisees? Like I'm asking, When is the kingdom stuff going to happen? Is there anybody that does not have that relationship with Jesus to understand that the kingdom of God is inside of me? Let me see your hands. I just want to make sure I don't miss anybody. So if the kingdom of God is in you, then you need to choose to be the one to choose to be the one. Getting people pointing at somebody over here. So if that's you, just when we start praying, you can make your way to the altars. And if God is speaking to you about being the one and bringing the kingdom, you can do so as well. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for what you're doing here. We thank you, God, that you desire to give us a fresh outpouring god that you desire to show us what it means to be kingdom bringers to be the one to be the one god that goes after you that falls at your feet and worships you and gives you all the glory god we're not we're not just happy and satisfied with the miracle we thank you for salvation we thank you for transformation we thank you for healing god but we want more we desire more god and you are ready to give it to us lord Father, I pray for your people. I pray that every one of those sound of my voice will turn back around and go back and be the one. God, be the one in their marriage with their spouses. Be their ones, their relationship with their children. Be their one in their schools with their friends. Be the ones in our our jobs, God. With their neighbors. God, help us to be the one. In Jesus' name. Amen.